right, Josh, I uh, we we talked a little bit about it on the last podcast, dude. I I think you're right. I think the rivalry in Polk County has shifted, at least now, at least with the way fall sports are going. It's shifted. I think it is Weber Southeastern. And, I mean, obviously football had a lot to do with that. Not only that, women's soccer today, I got to catch about 20 minutes of that match before I had to go to football practice. Huge uh, point pickup for the Warriors as they drew 0-0. Cam was amazing in, in goal for Weber. The entire back line, I mean, look, this Weber defense might be the best in the conference behind Kaiser. Look, I know they got six dropped on them, but you know, Kaiser's Kaiser. They're really good, man. Uh, I, you, you called it. I think you're right, dude. I mean, if you you just have to look at you can when this podcast started, Weber softball games versus Weber versus Southeastern in softball, every single game was electric. Weber baseball versus Southeastern, final scores. One of them looks lopsided, but every game was close until the back half of the game. Y'all led in every game. We led in every game. And I'd say softball. I mean, coach Oliver, but softball has got a really interesting rivalry with it because, you know, you had Weber win the conference tournament over Southeastern, and then you have uh, Southeastern sending Weber to the loser's bracket in the World Series off of a – after Weber came back in the top of the seventh to tie it 4-4, and then Haley Harrell hits the walk-off in the bottom of the seventh. So I think that's a really good rivalry going in, and, I mean, we know we're a long ways away from softball season and obviously a lot of softball talk I'll I'll, I'll do on NAISB instead of Suncast, but still do a little bit here and there. Anyways, I I, I think these are two teams coming in. I mean, looking at Weber softball, yeah, they lost a lot. But I tell you, Coach Buck has got a really, really good program going already for them. And I've said it plenty of times before, I think Southeastern will win the Red Banner this year in softball. Um, and we look at, and you look at baseball. I mean, we're we're looking at two teams who will be ranked in the top ten. I think obviously Southeastern will be ranked first when the first NAIA baseball polls come out. Right. But Weber is going to be, I think, somewhere in that six to eight range. Agreed. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, you won't you won't be. I'm be so sad when, when when you're. I mean, you know, it's an open mic for you to come on whenever during baseball season, but. I, I, you're moving on, right? You're gonna focus on baseball season. I mean, in a way, I mean, you're playing football instead of doing this, so I I can talk softball. Right. I love softball. I grew up around softball. My sister played her whole life. I went to games, and to make it even better, she played in the Sun Conference, so I'm very familiar with team names, mm-hmm. teams, locations, all that stuff. I've I've been around the game a while. Probably one of the most exciting things to watch on television in the summer is the Women's College World Series. I love it. Every game's on my television at home. Oklahoma my family such loves a it. Wagon. Yeah, they're unbelievable. Yeah. But, it's always, it feels like it's always like that with college softball, though. It feels like every now and then there's just, it's like Florida a few years ago and then Alabama and now Oklahoma. It's just like they are a juggernaut. No, they are. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you ready to go get in this? We don't have a lot, lot of uh, time. We got we to gotta kind of get rolling. So we're going to do just something a little bit different here, folks. First off, hi. Hello, beautiful people of the Sun Conference that listen to the Sun Conference or whatever, all that good stuff. We love y'all. Um, we're going to do something just a little bit different the way we've done the last few episodes. Uh, we're going to shoot this intro real quick, and then we're going to shoot right back in. Uh, th- after that, we're going to shoot over to myself and Carlos uh, Carrado, uh, goalkeeper for Southeastern Men's Fire. Josh, you know I don't say this lightly, I enjoy most interviews. Like ninety nine point nine nine percent of the interviews that you and I have done, or just I've done, of all I've been good interviews, and I've done. I don't. You and I have probably done, and myself back back when it was just me. I mean, probably somewhere around fifty ish yeah. interviews. This was a top ten Suncast interview, man. This was uh, Car- Carlos is such a great guy and absolute proper form. Also between the sticks, and I was so so excited just to have a keeper on. And to have Carlos on was awesome. He, he's also guy, and it could have been an interview that went on for an hour plus if I didn't have to get back to Weber for football. Uh, saw a 30-minute interview, so we're gonna go ahead and cut right into that. So here is myself and Carlos Car- Carrado. 
Okay, we welcome on a very special guest. You know, as all of you know, I'm a goalkeeper, excuse me, former goalkeeper, but now we have on a current keeper and one of the best in the NAIA and Carlos Carrado, Southeastern's number one. Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time and come out after a huge win. Of course, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to be talking about fire soccer and just talking in general. Very yeah. excited. Heck yeah, man. Uh, y'all are coming off a, a very great week for Southeast. You guys got a top 10 draw against a really good, you know, one of the favorites to win the Red Banner this year in St. Thomas. And you just took out a top 25 team in Florida National last night. I was there at the game. Y'all are in proper form, man. And this is the time of the year where, you know, earlier in the year, it's all out the window. Y'all are in conference play. Y'all are looking really good. You know, how big is that win over Florida National and getting that point in a conference play against St. Thomas for, for the fire? Yeah, of course. Uh, both are very good teams. Um, St. Thomas is a very talented team. They have a very good squad, and playing Miami is always is always hard. You know? Oh yeah. It doesn't matter the year. Like from, it's my fourth season, and it just gets harder when you go play over there. So it's a very good result for us. And I think you said really well. I think you're kind of like peaking at the right time. So um, yeah, it was definitely like a great result uh, um, against Florida National. Awesome four zero win. Like. Very, very good performance from the team. So, yeah, those are really important matches, you know, like kind of built the momentum. I feel like um, when we tied with St. Thomas, we've, we felt like we could have won the game. But then now we responded back against Florida National and then beat them. And then that's good, good momentum for us to keep going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I didn't know a whole lot about Sun Conference soccer coming into this year. I didn't start Suncast until March. So I covered spring sports. Coming into the fall, you know, obviously I knew St. Thomas and Kaiser were the two top dogs. But, I mean, looking at it now, I think the parity in Sun Conference men's soccer is one of the best in, in the Sun Conference. I mean, we just saw what happened last night. Florida Memorial, who some would, I guess, would kind of consider one on the lower end of the conference, they uh, get a 1-1 draw with St. Thomas. Very impressive. I mean, Weber, and I, mean, I don't think there's really been a bad game that I've seen yet. I mean, Florida Memorial, again, they took the defending champs down to the wire against Kaiser. Thomas University uh, gave Weber all they could handle. I'm really excited as we continue to go. As you said, this is your fourth year into the program. Y'all have a lot of veteran leadership, such as yourself. Uh, two players that have impressed me so far this season that are veterans and they're in your back line, you know, as a keeper, I'm always looking at that back line. Yeah. <laughs> Very impressive from Lucas Nishioka and Chris Moses for the fire. How important is that not only for you having two guys, I mean, your whole back line, I know you trust, but you know, those two guys anchoring it. How important is it for you and for the entire team to know you have two defenders that can lock down uh, teams with such good attacks. Yeah, uh, it's very important to have uh, guys like um, Lucas, like Moses, like Antonio Maha as well, that's been playing on the back, just amazing players. It's good because you have that maturity, you know, like sometimes the game can get a little crazy and when you have the experience, especially on the back, it's the first step of the transition forward, you know, so like they can count the game down, they can handle the ball on their feet. If the other team's under pressure, they know how to get out of pressure. So. It's it's really important to have those key players on the back because you just if you if you don't get scored you won't lose the game at least you know yeah. so it's it's great to have those guys in front of me it just makes my job a lot easier absolutely and I think Lucas might have one of the most interesting penalty uh, step ups that oh, yeah. I, I have ever seen <laughs> that was the first time I saw him hit a PK last night um, and I was just thinking that would mess me I would mess my timing up so much that I would be dancing around the line and be like. Man, it was just yeah, so was. Aggra- a little aggravating. I saw him and the keeper were doing a little chirping back and forth. Uh, yeah. my, my Spanish is uh, not the best. So uh, I was like, I wonder what they're talking about. And I talked with him uh, about what they said. I'm not going to repeat that on, yeah, on yeah. here. But it was very funny. And then his celebration after the, the dive. I never had that happen to me where someone did that. But I think that would be one of the most humiliating celebrations where he just kind of did a little flop dive yeah, as a yeah. celebration. That would yeah. kill me. Um, but, you know, a reason that I think you're such a good keeper are your gloves, man. You have your own business in Defy uh, goalkeeper gloves. Uh, we were looking at them before we came on, and I love them a lot. I mean, a lot, I don't know a lot of keepers are listening to this. I've talked to throughout the conference. And, you know, one of the things I, I love about them are they have that back support, but they don't have that backbone. And it, it, you were talking earlier about the resistance in it and whatnot. Can you just tell us a little bit about Defy Gloves? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it came out as an idea, like, <clears throat> over the summer, I was just thinking about, you know, like, oh, I need to buy a new pair of gloves, and gloves are so expensive. <laughs> so I was wondering if I can just make them myself. And I was able to, like, talk with some people, 
and find out how to manufacture gloves. And then my idea was honestly to just provide the highest quality materials for a fair price, you know, because I know like college students, you know, they don't have that much money to spare. And Go Clippers gloves, you know, like they don't <laughs> last long at all. No, they're gonna be buying like at least a few pairs a season. You know? Right, and you have to have two minimum. You need to have a game pair and a practice, practice. pair, and that practice pair is going to get wore out. Yes, exactly. So that was my idea. Um, and then I came up with high-quality materials, but yeah, it uses um, four millimeters contact German latex, which is the best. It works well in dry and wet conditions. On the back, like you said, on the back end of the glove, um, have a material that have pro uh, propels the ball 33% like further than you usually go, has an energy return aspect to it. Wow. And so like, it's it's a very good glove, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that I can wear my own gloves and that the other keepers at SEU can wear my gloves as well because it's just really cool when like you see such thing that you put so much effort and thought to it, like yeah. being worn by other people like and getting good feedback from them as well. So I'm very happy, very happy with how it's going. Where can uh, other keepers go and, fi and find the gloves? Yeah, so they can go to one underscore um, Defy on Instagram or just on, on my Instagram page as well, at uh, CCurado, and then I'll just sort out gloves for them. We have two models with two new models coming up really, really soon. Awesome. So, yeah, fair price, and we'll throw a special discount for who listen to that promotion on okay. the podcast here. All right, well, we'll absolutely, we'll blast that over. We'll make a post about it too uh, in the coming weeks and then let me know when the new models come out. We'll get those out, get those reposted. And I'll send those to uh, some of my old school keeper friends I had back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Back, yeah. back in my heyday. <laughs> yeah. I, you, I mean, it, it's such a hard position. You know, I've talked about it before, but I mean, all the nicks and necks that, that you get, I mean, I've been kicked in the face and the nose. I mean, and... Yeah other parts of the body so, yeah. so many times. It's something that you and I, uh, I saw, I've seen in your game, you're very aggressive in the air and I was the same way I was going mm -hmm. and it was keeper and if somebody was in my way, you're gonna get an elbow or a knee, I don't care what jersey you got, yeah, on, you yeah. better get, get out of the way. But th there are so many just minute details and the angles and how you have to position yourself and the reaction time. What are some of the fundamentals that you look at in your game, like your, your angles, you, know, you almost have to have I mean, obviously the cat like reflexes, but you almost have to have eyes in the back of your hand, head, not hand, yeah. but, <laughs> but you know, being able to move in the goal and having the right angles. What are some things you do to like, keep those minute details in check? Yeah, I think the key aspect is just training. Uh, mm -hmm. I like to say that like I don't do nothing in a game that I haven't done like a thousand times before mm -hmm. in training. You know, like I take that with like everything, my distribution, my coming out for crosses, you know, getting positioned in the right angles. So I think it comes with repetition, you know, like you just really got to put in the time and work. And then also like, uh, I think nowadays people talk a lot about working hard, but you should work hard and you should work like a lot, but also like work smart. So like right. when doing the drills, like try to make them as game realistic as possible. And I think with time, over time, things are going to happen, you know, like you're going to make some mistakes. And then after those mistakes, you have the opportunity to adjust them. So you adjust to like the things that you learn from those mistakes and then you just do better next time. But yeah, I think it's a lot about like moving feet and constantly be checking where the post is at, finding references on the field, like six yard box, the 18 yard box, where the corners are at, you know, like, and looking at the guy if he's right footed, left footed, like most likely if he's balanced for the shot, if he's not balanced for the shot. There's a lot of small things that go into it, but I think overall, like, as time goes on, you start to notice those things and then you kind of, you kind of get in the flow of like, oh, just automatic, you know. Yeah, I mean, exactly, and I don't know about for you, but it's almost like when you're training, you try to reach those game details, and you try to make it very re realistic. I mean, even now, as a punter, every time I go to punt the ball, I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking, returners here, returners short, I have pressure coming right, pressure up the middle, you know, doing that. I'm a yeah. rugby-style punter, so I'm r running with it, rolling with it, knowing, okay, maybe I got a chance to run here. Yeah. I did not have a chance to run against that. <laughs> I had plenty of chances to punt. That was yeah. a fun game. That was a, a great environment playing. Yeah. And, I mean, y'all had a great environment, especially towards the second half once people started filing in and everything. I mean, Southeastern's just mm -hmm. truly one, one, one of the best home field advantages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, it's awesome. It's a good environment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, something that's changed a lot in the keeper position, and it really started to change, you know, when Neuer came, came through, so when you and I were pretty much going through the ranks of goalkeeping is being able to use your feet. Because you look back even in the 90s and even early 2000s, as early as then, you didn't really see that a whole lot. You didn't really see keepers having to come up outside of their 18-yard box and using your feet. You know, how important is it now, and now in the games now to be able to use your feet and almost become an 11th field player at times. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, this soccer game in general has changed so much. Um, not only the goalkeeper. I like I like to say the goalkeeper is the hardest position in our sports. You know, oh, like, absolutely. Like, I truly believe that because it's such a mental game, and also like you, you have to be good with your hands. Now you have to be good with your feet. You gotta be good in the air. You gotta be good low. Mm. So it's very hard. I think it comes almost like as a necessity of the development of the sport because if you think about it now, the teams are playing so compact. Like sometimes with such a low line or such a high line of pressure. So like the actual playing field with the rules or like offsides is super small. So teams gotta be playing, gotta be good at playing between the lines and maybe like this, the only space there is is behind. And then because the teams are so compact and the keeper needs to step outside of the box to fulfill that this space. So if you look at the basketball keepers in the world, like such as Adrian, which is like an inspiration for me, like he's very good with his feet because um, Guardiola knows that the teams that come high to pressure Manchester City, he has a goalkeeper that has such a good distribution that can play the ball behind the entire back line. You know, so like if the other keeper is not aware of that, then it's going to be a huge gap and Manchester City is just going to kill the other team, you know, kill the opponent on that. Absolutely. And like you said, Ederson is, I mean, he's one of the, I would say, top three or four keepers in the world right now, along with Alisson Becker over at Liverpool, both Brazilians. And you, you look at the history, Brazil has got a really great yeah. lineage of keepers when, you know, when we were much younger you had Dita but coming up one of the keepers that I really liked watching was Julio Cesar oh yeah, yeah my did. favorite my favorite oh, so yeah. that, that was one of my favorite yeah okay, Julio Cesar is my favorite man I I, I don't want to say I became a keeper because of him because it wasn't necessarily because of him it was because right. of another guy um, from my hometown club Magadon okay. but Julio Cesar once he started being a keeper he was the guy I would look for because he was just phenomenal he was he wasn't that tall but he is, he is a fanaticism and he's, oh, he, he was just amazing. Like, I remember crying so much whenever Brazil lost the World Cup and like people blamed on him in 2010. Yeah. And then when he played again in the 7-1 in Germany, he gave the interview again and getting scored seven times. Like, I felt bad for him because he's truly one of my idols. Like, I respect his work rate. Like, there's a lot of stories that people don't really know about him. But when he came to play here in MLS, actually, and he played yeah. for Vancouver, um, he wanted to go back and play for the national team and he took his son to the park and then like they just trained for hours like him and his son that was like 10 years old could like wow. barely kick the ball but like he just wanted to get like the actual work so he's one of my idols just because of his work rate his passion for the game so yeah he's he's my absolute favorite but yeah brazilians we're fortunate we have a go a good goalkeeping like school i think there's a lot to do with like how the trainings are in Brazil. The trainings in Brazil are very different than here and very different than in England, which is like where a lot of people look at mm. in Germany. Like in Brazil, the trainings are very technical. It's very towards um, a lot of plyometrics, making the goalkeeper as athletic as possible. Mm. So it's really like, it's really different than here. Here it's more like static. Oh, so take a volley and switch to the other side, take another volley, switch to the other side, take another volley, don't drop the ball. Like, okay, in Brazil, you're going to do that. But before you do that, you're going to jump over five hurdles. You're going to yeah. skip, like, right, 10 cones, you know. So, like, it's 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 different. So, I think a lot of the the success the success that Brazil has is because of the way trainees are. Great. I mean, that, that's actually what my next my next yeah. question was. Like, how uh, soccer in Brazil is different than not only in the Americas, but in England. There's something that has always impressed me. Just, I mean, soccer on, on a grand, grand scheme of things, it's starting to get this way in the U.S., but especially in England, and but mostly in South America, it's just the pure passion. Yeah. Uh, I was, I thought, when I was talking to you on the phone the other day, I, I was telling, I told my, I showed my friends videos of River Plate versus, versus Boca Juniors in Argentina. Yeah. And I mean, just the, the atmosphere there, and they're asking, are those flares? I'm like, yeah, that's, 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 it's not that crazy. And they're like, what? There's a flare going off in the middle of an yeah. NFL game. <laughs> they would lose their minds. It's like, no, it's, it's a normal thing. I think that's the passion, as you said, just how they train to be more athletic. That I mean, that, it's incredible. But what, what else is there, is there like another thing that you could add on about what makes soccer in South American countries, you know, like Brazil, Argentina, and Chile, uh, so much different and makes soccer just the beautiful sport that it is? Uh, I think a lot has to do with the fact that kids, that's the only sport they play. Um, yeah. It's very rare for like somebody to be young and you wanted to try to play basketball. Like we don't even have baseball or American football. Mm -hmm. Like those are not options for kids. And also like, I feel like we are exposed to tight spaces a lot. So in Brazil, you truly don't even play outdoor until you're like 15 or 16. Before then, you only play futsal, which is 5v5. And then sometimes you're going to go and play with your friends in the streets, you know. So like kids in Brazil, all they're looking for is to play soccer. They're going to make a soccer out of a bunch of socks 
and then they're gonna put two flip-flops and they're gonna play and have fun sometimes they're gonna play soccer with just the cap of a water bottle you know mm -hmm. like everything can become a soccer ball and yeah. Brazilians are gonna find a way to play soccer so I think that's that's the reason why we have so we have had so many talented players throughout the history of soccer because it's just what we do and then we always find a way to play I feel like here kids go to outdoor way too early um, they're not exposed to like this tight space environment where they have to think really fast the first touch needs to be really good you know it's intense in Brazil foots like I would say everybody that has played soccer and it's from Brazil has played football before a hundred percent there is no way people just go outdoor you know because we don't have first we don't have unfortunately we don't have that many fields available there but also that's how the leagues are formed like you play futsal and then once you're really good at futsal then an outdoor team once you're like 15 16 they're gonna invite you to go play outdoor and that's when you start developing the skills like as a field player you know so i feel like that's that's maybe the the key in brazil we just play in so many tight spaces and we play so much that that's just what makes was like so talented, like good dribblers, you know, good at one v ones, good at tight spaces, because that's just how we're exposed to since we we're really young. Yeah, you spoke on spoke on it right there. I mean, the the best dribbler in the world in our era is Neymar. Yeah, and I, I, I assume he came up very similar. Then he got to an outdoor club like Santos, and then eventually over to Barcelona. Um, I was a Barca fan growing up, and my peak love for soccer, I was getting up way too early earlier than a lot of 13 14 year olds would, would be getting up and watching msn uh watching barca on bn sports or watching uh uh the premier, the premier league, league right uh one of my favorite stories just real quick we'll, we'll say back i thought one of my favorite stories when i was growing up in high school was leicester city's title run in yeah. 2016. That, that was just beautiful in sports uh five thousand to one odds predicted to finish dead last in the league yeah that that was awesome but uh sticking back with brazil moving a little bit away from soccer um you know, like i said i love having on international athletes to talk about their culture and whatnot what, what is brazilian culture to you what, what is it like and how is it different than america yeah so i would say the biggest difference is that um brazilians are really open from the get-go i feel like people in brazil sometimes they'll say the americans are more like cold you know like they take a while to open up to you and that's true to an extent but people here are really like helpful and they truly care about you but in brazil like if like I just met you, like I want to help you right away, you know, right. like it's a very warming, you know, welcoming, like a very happy culture, you know, and I feel like that's the biggest, I would say like if I could define Brazilian culture, it would be like that. It's like just very warm, people are very welcoming, people want to be around each other all the time. Um, so that, I would say that's the, how I would define Brazilian culture, but compared to here, it's just it's just a little bit different because in Brazil I feel like since everybody wants to be together all the time, people care more about the other people's life. Here I feel like oh you can do your own thing as long as you don't interfere with mine. I don't I don't really care. You know right. like in Brazil no people like are gonna be watching you be like oh maybe this person needs my help and they're gonna step in even without like people truly like asking for the help. You know, so I'd say that's that's the biggest difference, but. I love America, man. Like I, I love, I love um, having the opportunity to come here, study abroad. Even though sometimes it's hard to be like away from your family, you know. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's just a great opportunity for me here. Like play college sport, like college soccer and study. Like that's something that unfortunately we don't have in Brazil. In Brazil, you have to make the choice: you quit studying and you focus on sports, or you quit sports and focus on staying right. so I'm very grateful that I have this opportunity to be here what was that process like I mean I'm, you're a very detailed oriented person that's something Donnie uh, y'all's SID you told me a lot with Suncast yeah. and you know, getting getting you on and a lot of other athletes on yeah. he said you were a very detailed oriented person and very like by, by the hour you're like, doing this this that yeah. that's very impressive you know, especially at such a young, young age a little bit older yeah, yeah. But still, still. Well, what's it uh, you know, what, what was that process like uh, coming to America yeah, so it's it's different because back when I came here, I mean, it's not really that long ago, like 2019, we don't really had that much information on how the process worked. Mm -hmm. And since we have nothing similar, like I had no idea. So um, coming here was just basically like as an international, I'll say if I could give tips to people that listen to this and want to try to come here, just like make sure you have a good video, recruiting video that you can send to the coach because 
since you know the country, the coach is most likely not gonna fly there to watch you play, you know. Um, so you gotta have a very good video, you gotta have good grades throughout high school, um, make sure your GPA is good, make sure your English is good, so like you study English so you can take the TOEFL, like that's something that some Americans don't know, but as internationals, for you in order to get accepted into the school, there's a test that you need to take that measures the proficiency of English. Mm. And then certain schools that require minimum grade. So like if you don't get that grade, you're not gonna be accepted into that school. So make sure you study English. And yeah, just coming here is just, it's just, for me it was like life changing experience. You know, yeah. like I, I wasn't very happy with the life that I had in Brazil back then. And then coming here, just like, just reset it my entire life, my entire like life purpose. And just opened my eyes to so many things, you know, like I was here in America prior to um, coming to Southeast and I was an exchange student in Boulder, Colorado. So that's how I actually learned English. I did a year of high school, my sophomore year of high school. I was by myself living with host families and I was 14 at the time. So um, that was my first contact with the United States. And it's just stayed in the back of my head, you know, like as an option to maybe one day come back here and play sports and study again. And here I am. So, so yeah. you said uh, before here you were exchanged in Colorado, correct? Yeah, correct. I was there. One of my best friends, my previous university, lives in Denver, oh, okay. right, right outside Denver. I've been there. I was there in January. I, just was the weather shock, the cold of it, just a little bit different for you than <laughs> I'm sure Brazil yeah. and here in Lakeland. Yes, man. Like where I'm from, from Recife, Brazil, which is the northeast, so really close to the line of the equator. It does not get below 75 from <laughs> the entire year. So, like, I didn't even own a jacket. Like, when I went there, like, I had to buy my first jacket. Like, the first day was no. It was really cool because, like, oh, it's no, you know. Yeah. I've never seen such thing. But then <laughs> after, like, two days, I'm like, all right, this is too <laughs> yeah. much. You know, like, you get outside and there's, like, snow up to your knees and it's freezing. And some days you can't even go to school because it's so cold outside. Yeah. Like, I've never experienced such thing. So, it was definitely like interesting for me because I've never lived. I didn't even know how to dress properly. Like I remember, I would go to school. Like I would put like two like those um, Under Armour like um, compression pants, the leggings. Yeah, yeah. I'll put like plastic bags on my shoe, like inside my socks, you know, because like I'll be freezing. I was yeah. not used to cold at all. Um, but it was great. Colorado is a beautiful state. Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. absolutely beautiful. Um, I would say like if they could like cut Boulder. Out from Colorado and put it here in Florida would yeah. be a perfect place, man. Because Boulder is absolutely beautiful, but yeah. I, I just can't do it with the cold. Like, it's too cold. Oh, yeah. I, no, I, I, but my previous college was in Missouri, and I went there for two years, and I was like, this is... The, the, I, I loved it. I love being up there. Mm -hmm. um, not, I don't want to say anything too bad about Missouri. It's definitely not as beautiful as Colorado, yeah. but it had all the cold effects of it, and it was, that was not it. I mean, kicking a leather football and, and that... 13 degree weather with 10 on our wind it's it's rough yeah, yeah. I, I believe it I believe it. it's yeah tough. i'm sure i'm trying to make a save in that cold weather we i've, I've called a soccer game i played was probably like low 40s and i mean still i mean just getting hit in the ribs with one in that yeah. weather i mean it will it'll take your breath yeah. out in a hurry especially as a keeper since you're not running around you sometimes in the game you're kind of just just like watching yeah. and waiting like your hands start to freeze and like oh, you yeah. know like <laughs> We have to get the gloves a little wet so they can get grippy. Yeah. And then, like, how all of a sudden you, can, you can't feel your fingers anymore. You can feel <laughs> your toes. So, like, it's hard. It's hard. It was tough. It was a humbling experience for me. It's pretty like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shifting back over to uh, Southeastern and Southeastern soccer. Look, there's, there's no denying Southeastern is one of the better athletic programs in the entire NAI. One, one of the best in the country overall. What, what is it about Southeastern that, that's made? I mean, you, you look at your baseball team just won the World Series. Softball made an appearance. Women's soccer is a top 10, uh, played track, finished runner-up. Men's and women's basketball are consistently competing in the conference and in the NAI level. What is it about Southeastern that makes the athletic department uh, just such an elite program? Uh, it definitely got to be the people. Like, that was um, one of the things that impressed me the most when I got to Southeastern. Like, people are so nice. Everyone is so happy all the time. People are just trying to help you, like, every single moment as much as they can. So it, it got to be the people. Like, I tell that, like, I believe this. I truly believe that Southeastern has the nicest people in the world. Like, yeah. in that place. It's such a place, like, um, blessed by God. Like, it's it's amazing. I love everybody that, in the athletic department. they always been there for me when I needed them. Um, they're always encouraging. And also, like, I would say the thing is that they're not just focused on making great athletes, but they're, they're really focused on, like, making 
developing great people, like genuine people, like they're going to help the world, you know. And I think that's the key because it takes away, it's as athletes, you know, like it's very easy for us to um, tie our identity to our sport, you know, like right. as Carlos, the goalkeeper, but like the sport is just such a small part of like your, your own, your own self. So I think Southeastern really does a good job of like keeping you like thinking about that, you know, of like, hey, you're more than your sport. Like sometimes things are not going to go well in your sport, but you have your entire life to take care of. You know, like you, right. there's so many things you can learn from your sport that you can transfer to your workplace or to your family, to your friends, you know, to your relationships. So I, I think that's that's the secret that Southeastern has. Um, the success of the program is just because Southeastern is just backed with great people. I love that. I mean, that, that that's a beautiful answer, Carlos. And I mean, you, you talk about it's got to be more than just what you what you are in your sport. You look, you look at keeper; it's such a mental position where you could go and you can have a brilliant game where you have seven, eight uh, solid saves, and then you give up one howler, and then you have to be able to. And that you, that can happen with thirty minutes left in the match. You have to put that one behind you because you know you're going to be called on again. So mm -hmm. I mean, you. I mean, you can do that. I mean, I'm sure all athletes can tie that into their sport in some way, just being able, after you make a mistake, having to come back from it. And you have a program like Southeastern that installs that message into their athletes. I think that's a very well done and very awesome message. I got uh, one more question for you, man. Yeah. What's it going to take for y'all to – I don't think y'all's end goal is necessarily to even win conference, especially watching the way y'all – been informed recently i think a red banner is something that y'all want to bring back to lakeland so what's it going to take for y'all to do that um it's going to take our discipline i think we need to stick with um our game plan we execute we're going to be focused if you really think about it we don't even have like it's crazy we only have like two weeks left in like yeah. regular season so it's going to take the extra step you know the discipline taking care of our bodies make sure we're getting the right amount of sleep so we can perform in each match we have a very talented team we have Absolutely. a very diverse team so, um, and we're like, like we talked previously, like we are picking the right time. So uh, right now it's just going to take us discipline. I think that's like our word of the month. Like we'll be speaking about that in the locker room. Um, we got to do all the right things, you know, like taking care of our bodies, eating right, make sure you get enough sleep. We're in training, fully focused in training. When the whistle blows, like fully focused in the match. Um, I even think like looking back to St. Thomas, like we scored in the last five minutes. That's because we never like stopped believing that we could score, you know, right. like, so we say we stay focused into the end of the game and then the results came back to us, you know, so I think that's, that's what's going to take discipline. Um, I'm a huge fan of discipline. I'm, yeah. I, I talk about discipline all the time. I think that's one of my, my greatest strengths is to be disciplined. So, Absolutely. um, I think if everybody on the team can be disciplined and can do their, their part, understand their role in the team, like if, if they're playing, if they're you know, on the sideline, like everyone is important, you know, like you might be not playing, but then we might need you maybe to support, you know, like I'm just going to give a shout out here, like um, JJ, the other goalkeeper, like after St. Thomas, yeah. he was the first guy to come and talk to me and hey man, like you had an amazing game, like congrats, I'm really proud of your performance and like we fight for the same spot, but like we don't have that on the team, you know, like yeah. we, we just want to help each other, we want to win together and the same way whenever JJ was playing early in the season, like I was making sure to support him, like in the warm-ups, doing my best in the warm-ups to warm him up so he can be as ready as he can be for the game, so... Um, yeah, I think it's going to take discipline. I love that. JJ Son, I know he's followed uh, Suncast for a while now. We've messaged uh, a lot before. He's a great guy, and I love hearing that because that, that's really what makes a great team. You know, when you may not be a starting role, especially in a position like goalkeeper, where it's going to be one guy pretty much playing the full 90 you know, yeah. most, most of the time. But if you have a strong support system, you're going in to, and he's training at a high level, you're training at a high level, making each other, you know, iron sharp, sharpens iron, you know, making each other yeah. better every day. That's truly awesome. Uh, Carlos, that's all I got for you. If you have anything you, you want to add on, anything, Mike's yours. If not, I'm all good. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, think, thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for letting me talk a little bit about my story and Absolutely. about Southeast Army soccer. I think that's great what you've been doing, like highlighting the athletes, you know, like that's something that um, it's really great. It's really great for us, a great platform for us. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And man. yeah, people listen to the podcast, keep um, following Southeast Army soccer because yeah we're, we're doing well and we're going to surprise a lot of people oh yeah, and you have yeah. To, they can absolutely follow it on suncast i'll try to get out to as many games possible as student athlete schedule it's crazy yeah. i was like oh i got time T tonight i can go out there i'm gonna go out there and watch this i was so glad it's an awesome matchup carlos yeah. really appreciate it awesome man. thank you man appreciate yeah. it all right see i told y'all that was gonna be an awesome interview <laughs> all right josh um 
let's go ahead and do a little bit of a preview. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and start with football pre preview. Uh, and then I just have a really just one other game that I want to. Sorry, watching Thursday Night Football. It was almost an awesome play. Um, but a terrible game, by the a way. A terrible game. I mean, this is. I'm sorry, Justin Fields might be one of the worst quarterbacks it's in the NFL. Bad. And I mean, are you a fan of this all orange? I think it's kind of cool. It's, a little it's not bad. It's better on field than what I thought it would look. Look, he is mad. Okay, anyways, um, actually, real quick before we get into football, I just want to say one thing um, for midweek recap, and that is Ave Maria and St. Thomas Volleyball might be the best matchup in the Sun Conference in any sport. They have now split the season series one apiece, both going five incredible sets. In fact, in fact I think in the ten sets – um, I guess you can still say the eight sets because uh, obviously the fifth set goes to 15. But in the eight uh, full 25-point sets, only one is where one team did not reach 20 points. That's that's tight volleyball. Incredible. I mean, you, you, uh, you saw, I'm sure all, all of you listening saw the rally that Ave Maria and St. Thomas had. Uh, shout out STU underscore volleyball on Instagram for sending that one in. They're incredible, and I need – I need that matchup, and look, obviously, I want I want the Warriors to do well, on, but I I need that matchup, and I really want to see that for the conference championship. Oh, that'd be sick! I mean, they are incredible. They're awesome. Uh, I think they're they're incredibly well matched all around. I think on the outside, St. Thomas has a little bit of advantage. On the inside, I would definitely say Ave is a slight bit better, but man, they are just so evenly matched. They are very both teams very well coached. Very well prepared coming in. And so are, that's we, are we seeing a St. Thomas Weber baseball kind of matchup? Just a back and forth, great games every time kind of thing? Uh, I, I think it's very similar. Um, the only thing I would say, and I mean, all, all due respect to St. Thomas and Weber uh, baseball, it, th- these are the top two teams in the conference. Um, like okay, like, I okay, see what you're saying. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the, yeah. These are the two best teams in, in the conference. Uh, Kaiser has slipped up. They are going to drop uh, all the way down to four in the next power rankings, actually, for volleyball. Uh, they just lost to Florida Memorial, who has picked up really good form. They are back in full health, and they just beat Weber at home, and they just beat uh, Kaiser in four sets, in which nobody has done yet in, in the conference. And, I mean, just real quick, I'll give you the, the, the top five I got. Um, I got Weber at five for volleyball. I'm going to put Kaiser four, Flomo three. And, I mean, just based off of – and I wouldn't even say it's one, two. It's more of one and one A. But in that two, and I say in quotation mark, air quotes, um, Ave Maria and St. Thomas won just because they, 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 they beat Kaiser and then they just beat Ave Maria. But they're, they're right there. But uh, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of weekend preview. Take it away, baby. Another – Another jam-packed weekend of football in the Sun Conference. You're going to see Warner take the field once again after a big, long stint of a no football for the Royals coming off a miserable loss. Hopefully they can, you know, get back get back into some, some good form and, you know, play a good game against Kaiser. I believe Kaiser, unfortunately, will probably beat Warner pretty good. Um, Kaiser coming off a huge win against St. Thomas this past week. Um and then moving on, a um, little yeah, bit more. You got a prediction. Uh, I'll go back. I'll back. Go back through the predictions. Um, heading a little bit more south down to Miami Gardens. St. Thomas will play Florida Memorial, and I believe St. Thomas will get right back on track and beat Florida Memorial by three touchdowns or more. Mm. Um, I think St. Thomas is hungry. I think they're trying to avenge their loss. They're you know ready to take take the field once again. Um, so uh, look for Tyler Thomas and Tay Farmer to just have potentially a breakout game because af- after a tough loss in every sport, really, you see the, the big playmakers, the key players on those teams tend to take it personal when things go south or when they lose. They lose a close game. They take it personal, and you normally see them have a great game. So l- look for that. Tay- yeah, I- I'm really interested in, in that matchup, seeing the offensive line and the running game for St. Thomas against that stout defensive line for Flomo. I think that will definitely be interesting, but I think Tay Farmer's just going to have another 120-yard game with a couple mm. touchdowns. The man is unbelievable. I think he's going to win the, the running back 
I guess you'd say a triple crown in the Sun Conference, a little baseball yeah. baseball analogy there. Whoa. Um, what would the triple crown be? We, we got yards, touchdowns, and yards yard, per carry? Yep. Yeah, okay. And then heading back a little bit north to the center of the state, Ave Maria travels to Weber International in beautiful Babson Park. Beautiful. I believe Weber is going to continue continue the recent success. And I think Weber's going to have another really good game against Ave. Ave had a, had a great start, slowed down a bit. I believe Weber will win by two touchdowns or more. Um, Cody Braden, Jacob Moss, the running back room, that's huge. And they all contribute for Weber. I think they're, they're just going to have a great – I think they're going to combine for 150-plus on the ground. Cody, Cody's, I think Cody might find his first 300-yard game of the season this week. A couple touchdowns. And, you know, that defense of Weber – you know, injuries, they happen. Might be down a few guys, yeah. but that defense, they just rally to the football. They fly around. And once again, you know, my guys on the defense, I mean, you got you got Trent Peacock, who plays an exceptional defensive back. Uh, you got um, Parker Sneed, yeah, outside Parker's linebacker. Right. Man, just flies around the field. I love watching him play. Um, I think he got back from injury as well. Who have you, you you haven't seen much of since Chandler Kerr? Well, yeah, Kirk Kerr's back. Uh, but somebody who's been out the last few games is Joe B. Joseph Burton is back from injury. Don't know if we'll see him all the way back this week, but some capacity on a pitch count, maybe. Possibly, okay. yeah, uh, maybe we, we'll see. I don't want to guarantee or say anything that that isn't completely accurate but I'd say there's a good one, shot one thing I really like about Weber's defense though you see like a bunch of athletic maybe slightly undersized guys but they're physical really physical not afraid of contact put their nose in there make tackles fly around attack the quarterback we know what that sounds like head coach coach P I mean we said that when he when he was on he said that's kind of how he played that's how he was and I think that's how a lot of the guys they use that same mentality and I believe that's why some of these guys are so successful because they have a coach who was in their shoes and is able to, they're able to relate and they're able to, it's like a, a really, like the mindsets are easily transmitted to one another because of how similar the similar the games are. But like I said, so I believe Kaiser will beat Warner by a few touchdowns. I'll say probably, they'll probably win by two touchdowns or more. Okay. Weber, again, two touchdowns or more victory and St. Thomas, I believe that'll be I think that one might get ugly. St. Thomas is going to come out guns blazing. Three gotcha. touchdowns or more victory. Um, but I just want to go over a little bit of stats before we move on to soccer. Um, hold on. Internet stinks. I mean, Rontavious Farmer approaching 100, 100 attempts with 646 yards and eight touchdowns, 129 yards a game. Marcus Burgess with 34 more carries. And four less yards, so I mean, Rontavious Farmer is just gashing defenses. Um, I mean, George Young, though, Florida Memorial, 61 carries, 328 yards, and two touchdowns. Another another guy you could see to have a pretty good game against against St. Thomas. If you because if you watch the game, Kaiser had no problem running the ball in St. Thomas, and St. Thomas had no problem running the ball in Kaiser. So who knows? I mean, George Young may have a good game for Flomo, might be able to run the ball in St. Thomas's defense. Uh, going back to um, the passing attack, Tyler. I don't believe these stats have been updated. I'll go ahead and tell you the Sun Conference website. Uh, it's it's rough on stats, man. It's very very. Rough. Well, all I know is that Cody Braden is five games in now. Five, four, three and technically, one. Technically, well, uh, technically, four. Yeah, four, four. Okay, so four. so through four games. But one one eight, game we didn't get stats for because it was Atlantis. Eight, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. I do know that. With I believe the. Completion percentage will get up to about 65, which will be first in the conference, which is something I know Cody, know him on a personal level. I know that is something he has been working on, <laughs> taking care of the ball and being more efficient. And what else can you ask for? 65% through the air and zero interceptions through four games. Cody might mess around and have to be the second uh, person ever on, in Suncast history that's been on twice. He keeps us up. No, he has another good week this week. I'm interviewing by myself. Oh, we doing okay. I, I I would love that. I would love you. you I think it's time. I, I think you're ready. I, I my, am ready. My, I'm my, ready. My young yeah. Padawan. Yes, you are ready. Okay. Um, Tyler Thomas, seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Shea Spencer, ten touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, both have clipped a thousand yards in the air. Um, last but not least, receiving uh, no Pierre from St. Thomas, twenty-one four four oh nine and three touchdowns. 
um, averaging about 102 yards a game, which is was excellent. I mean, we got Warner on the board, Evans, Valcourt, 11 catches, 185 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging 92.5 yards a game. Shane McLaughlin, 15 uh, catches, 353 yards, and two touchdowns, averaging about 90 yards. I mean, Jalen Honor at the tight end position, 29, 374, and six touchdowns, averaging 62.3 yards a game as a tight end. He is such a mismatch. I mean, I, I saw, I saw like a combination of like Kelsey Andrews and Waller against St. Thomas. I mean, yeah. he took a ball 60, 65 yards to the house and just outran the defense. Yeah. As a tight end, what is he, like 230 pounds? Yeah, and I think I, I think he might be a little bit a little bit heavier, heavier than that. I, I think 240? Yeah, he, he, he's a big guy. I mean, I was talking with Mond the other day, and he was like, dang, 14, and got a little bit bigger than, than last year. And I was like, yeah, we had him on Sunday. He was like, what? Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, shout out to Jalen with a huge game last week. Yeah. Big part of their – their victory against St. Thomas. But that'll do it for football this week. Look forward to the three pretty good games potentially. Um, see some of the top dogs in the in the conference get back on track with, with some big wins moving on in the conference slate. All right, so we're going to move into some women's soccer talk. Uh, we'll start up in beautiful Savannah, Georgia, with our some of our biggest supporters in the SCAD women's soccer team as they welcome in a team. I just got done watching the Warner Royals. I just got back from watching the end of the first half and second half of them taking on the Thomas Nighthawks, who we will get in to in a second. But uh, SCAD takes on Warner, and I think this is kind of the first – uh, test for SCAD after their draw with Thomas as they played Flomo in their last game, and that was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I do believe SCAD will have their work cut out for them. I think Warner is a very scrappy team, uh, a good team, very oppor- opportunistic team uh, who is very well rested. Uh, they are back playing. Uh, tonight's game was their first game post Hurricane Ian that rocked Warner's campus very, very, very bad. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get back uh, playing, playing soon. But I don't think SCAD will have too much of any troubles or anything, and I believe they'll come out fine. I think it'll be some something to the tune. I uh, will say about four one to the beast. Uh, I think I think they'll be able to handle business and send Warner back to Lake Wells with an L. Uh, going to the other game where I saw a team play today. Actually, I saw both of these teams play. I saw. First, about 30 minutes of the Weber Southeastern game that we alluded to earlier in the podcast. And then they will be welcoming in the Thomas Nighthawks. Look, Thomas is a team in great form right now after getting a huge point against uh, SCAD. And I was really interested to see how they would do against Warner and see if they could beat Warner without relying on Emily to go and have 13 saves. And they did that very well. The one goal that uh, they gave up was a penalty kick that um, I'm not going to say was the incorrect decision from the ref, but it was definitely a 50-50 call that went in the Royals' favor. And I think it's going to be a good game. I think this will be a low-scoring game. I think both teams uh, – I mean, I know both teams are great in defense. They are coming in very good records. Weber 7-1-1 on the year. Thomas is 6-2-2 two two on the year. And I believe it will actually end up being a draw. I think this will be another draw for for the Warriors. Um, I think they do need to pick up three points here, a little bit worse than Thomas does. But uh, Weber still has teams like Warner and Florida Memorial in their schedule, and they just picked up a huge point point against a top-10 ranked Southeastern team. I believe when we talked about um, Weber whenever they got into their conference schedule, we talked about when they played Kaiser southeastern and scad that they needed to either tie or win two of those i mean they got the tie against southeastern if they can you know shake things up a bit with with scad and thomas and get a win and a tie or maybe even two wins somehow or even just one win and a loss i mean they're still right in the mix with ending the season with flomo and warner able to get two wins there i mean they could really be in the in the in the mix of things if you got if a few upsets happen Mm -hmm. i mean it's gonna spin everything around you never really know yeah, and um, also Weber picked up a huge three points uh, last week. Excuse me, against Ave Maria. Uh, I think it'll be a one-one draw. I think if I had to, if you put a gun to my head and to pick a winner, I think I would lean with the Warriors. I, I think they have a little bit more in attack than the Nighthawks. 
Uh, however, this game would not surprise me to go either way or any of the three ways. I could see either team winning. I could see it also being a draw. Uh, I, I, it's tough for me to pick a team. I think they're very evenly matched. I think they've played very similar schedules. We can be homers. We're going to go with the Warriors. Yeah, why not? Why not? Two on, two on Weber? Two on Weber. Two on Weber. Why not? Um, but it's going to be tough to get two past him and that, that back line that they have that were very impressive. Uh, that, gosh, I, for, I forget the name. The right back. Uh, number eighteen for the uh, for the Nighthawks last night or this tonight was sensational. Uh, moving on though, we have Ave Maria going to play Florida Memorial. I mean, I think if Flomo is going to pick up a point somewhere, it would probably be against Ave. I don't see it. I think this will be a a lot to a little, and I'll leave it at that. I think Ave Maria will pick up a three three points. Uh, there, uh, Abe just picked up a huge point tonight, actually, getting a draw with a very good St. Thomas team. Uh, that was big for the Jairines. I think they could put themselves right back in the mix of things if they can go, at, it will, I will say, most likely when they go and get three points down in Miami Gardens. And then the big matchup of the, uh, of the Sun Conference this weekend is St. Thomas taking on Kaiser. Uh, this is a big test for Kaiser. I think St. Thomas is a strong team, and St. Thomas can definitely score. Uh, against you, they they have a very uh, battle-tested keeper who is leading the Sun Conference in saves. In fact, she eclipsed over 50 saves, did Pernarda tonight for the Bobcats. Uh, however, Kaiser is Kaiser, as Kaiser will continue to Kaiser, and I think they will win uh, very similar to how SCAD uh, did, and I think it will be something like 5-1, five, 5-0. Five five I think Kaiser will continue to Move on and be a okay. Uh, now, uh, moving into men's soccer, Scad will be heading over to Lakeland in a game. I might actually go back and watch. Look, uh, look, the southeastern team is hot at the right time. They took on the 19th ranked Florida National University Conquistadors last night, and I was I was at that game. That was a complete soccer team. That's the most complete game I've seen from a men's soccer team yet this year, and it was against a team they were not supposed to beat. Florida National is an extremely good program. Uh, it was men's soccer is, or women's soccer as well. Soccer is kind of their sport. I know you know them from baseball and obviously softball, not really all that. Yeah. However, with soccer, they are an extremely good program. In fact, they drew with St. Thomas 1-1. And Southeastern dominated in the midfield, allowed very few shots on goal. Uh, they, I, we, we talk a lot about it. I mean, they've already heard it with, with the talk about uh, last night's game. But I think the Southeastern team uh, has bridged that gap. I think Weber has bridged the gap, and I think Florida Memorial is right there. I think men's soccer, I said it in the interview, I'll say it one more time, I think men's soccer is the most parity that we see in the Sun Conference in any sport. Uh, I think it's right up there with football. I think it might have to be a little bit better, a little bit better parity between the top five teams, which are Flomo, Weber, Southeastern, Kai, uh, St. Tom. Excuse me. I, I'm trying to try to do my power rankings really quick there, but I, I misspoke. I do have Florida Memorial at five, Weber at four. Uh, after that result, they, they drew with Thomas University. They did get a huge three points in midweek against Ave Maria. I do have them in that four spot. Uh, I've dropped St. Thomas from one to three after picking up a couple of draws. I'm keeping Kaiser, or excuse me, I'm putting St. Thomas at that two, and I'm putting the defending champs, the Kaiser Seahawks, uh, back up at the one spot. That's probably going to make some people in Miami Gardens not too happy, but hey. Um, but I do think Southeastern will take care of SCAD fairly handily. And then looking at a couple of uh, match. Uh, uh, well, let me start with this one. A, a big matchup for who can get that six seed uh, before we head into Sun Conference playoffs. As you have Warner and Ave Maria, I think this is a very, very uh, scrappy game. Uh, I believe Warner won. The, excuse me, Ave Maria won this one earlier in the season. I think they will continue with that. I mean, look, this is Warner's first game in a long, long time, and. I think Ave Maria will get the three points there and have themselves primed up to be in that six seed spot come conference pl or conference tournament time. Um, Kaiser travels up to the two two nine as they take on the Thomas Nighthawks. So we we have seen be, be able to compete with a lot of good teams in this conference, and 
uh, go and get three points or even a point. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Kaiser could jump off to an early start, but I think they will have a lot of trouble getting past that back line of Thomas University. And I think we could see something to the tune of a 2-2 draw in the 2-2-9. Uh, I didn't mean to do that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but the biggest matchup is undoubtedly the Weber International University Warriors taking on the coming in Sun Conference, reigning Sun Conference champs, and the team predicted by many to win the Sun Conference, the St. Thomas Bobcats. And I think this is going to be a dog fight. And it's a it's a 4 o'clock kickoff, so I'll be able to catch uh, probably the second half of it after Weber football is done with Ave Maria. And it's going to be an incredible game. I mean, neither team has lost. You have Weber at 7-0-1. You have St. Thomas at 5-0-3 with some very impressive Division II uh, wins. Look, I think this Weber team, especially if Elon is back, has the firepower to do it. However, I do think St. Thomas is going to be looking to make a statement. If Weber can go down to Miami Gardens, though, and get a point, they have put themselves in prime, prime position. Uh, I'm going to have to go, I was already a homer with, with the girls pick. I do think St. Thomas will bounce back here. And I think they will be able to take care of business at home. It'll be a very close game. I could see a draw, but I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory for the Bobcats. Uh, and then it's really, really fast in volleyball action. St. Thomas is going to throttle Warner. Uh, Kaiser will take care of business against Southeastern. I think both of those will be three or four sets. And... Weber has got to go face Ave Maria coming off a loss. Uh, um, look, Weber has struggled a lot this year on the road, and I think that will kind of continue here, and I think Ave Maria will take care of business. We are on, we are on time constraints because we got to get going here. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I got. Uh, really quick, we'll hit some college football looking into previews. Josh and I are going to go ahead and but. We're, we're going to share the upset because if you ain't rocking with – I hate Tennessee, you hate Tennessee, you got to be rocking with Tennessee this weekend, right? No, all Vols this weekend. I yeah. like the Vols against against Alabama. Also, another game to watch. I mean, you got Michigan and Penn State. I think that's going to really show us, honestly, who both teams are. Is it Michigan I, at Penn State or Penn State at Michigan? Penn State at Michigan. Okay. 12 o'clock kickoff. Big I, believe, I believe Michigan's going to come out on top, though. Blake Corum's going to run for 150. Um yeah. Oklahoma State, TCU, we're going to see Spencer Sanders get tested a little bit. Also going to see the Syracuse Orange get tested a little bit this week as they take on NC State at home. So at home, Syracuse 5-0, probably looking for their first 6-0 start in at least a decade. It's been at a while. least. At least. And then you got Clemson heading to Tallahassee to take on the Florida State Seminoles. There are some interesting lines this week. If I was a betting man... I'd be looking at Clemson minus three and a half. And Utah minus three and a half. Utah minus three and a half. That's interesting. That's ridiculous. I think Clemson is going to throttle Florida State. I mean, for the sake of how much I hate Florida State, I hope so, but I really think Florida State is going to be in a better game with them than a lot of people think. I don't. I don't. I mean, it might be better than people think, but I don't think it's going to be within four points. James Madison, first time ranked in in a long time. We love that. Playing Georgia Southern on ESPN Plus, four o'clock kickoff against Georgia Southern. Probably will roll them. Um, you got Vandy heading to Athens to get absolutely throttled by oh, Georgia. Yeah. Minus thirty eight should be minus forty five. I I tell you what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Kansas getting nine points against Oklahoma. That's unbelievable. That's I disrespectful. Think, I think I whew. I think Kansas is going to beat the heck out. If I wasn't just wanting Tennessee to beat Alabama, that would definitely be, be my pick. Um, and uh, You see uh, Ole Miss get tested just a little bit this week against Auburn. Auburn's a physical team. Ole Miss has kind of just, just, kind of, just, kind of just eased their way through their first six weeks. I don't know. I mean, I think Auburn might play them. T- I mean, Ole Miss is going to win. Jackson Dart, yeah. Zach Evans, those guys, I mean, they're going to they're gonna win. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer, a little bit tougher game than most people think. Right. But we're Reagan and I, Tennessee beating Bama at home. Tennessee is at home. That stadium is going to be rocking. I we say all this and the media is saying this. Watch Bryce Young and Alabama just go in there and beat the dog crap out of them, bro. As much as we talked about how last week how we said Texas A&M was going to get throttled by Alabama, 
If Bryce Young doesn't play, I think Tennessee might win by two oh, touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If Bryce Young does not play, then it's all I think if, yeah. even if Bryce Young but I, I really think Tennessee. I'm, pretty sure I'm telling playing. you right here, right now, mark my words. If Tennessee beats Alabama this year, I think Tennessee might make the playoff. Genuinely. We're not getting another playoff. We don't have time for all that. We're not getting another playoff. Okay. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay. All right. You got anything else, my, my guy? That's it. All right. Look, look forward to a great weekend of Sun Conference Sports, soccer, volleyball, football. And I'm going to say it. Go Warriors. Go Warriors. Go Warriors. Always. All right. Um, next episode, we have two, I know at least one, probably two massive announcements. Uh, one is a new ad that we, we are having worked out uh, that's going to be very beneficial for a lot of Weber and Warner athletes. And then one other thing Josh has been working on that we're going to keep close to the chest for right now. Okay, all right, love y'all, and have a good weekend.